Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, for those that listen to this podcast and our radio program, you know I've been preaching about the end times for several years now and how we can tell it's getting closer and closer just by watching the news on television every single night between the chaos and the climate and wars and rumors of wars we also have scientific development that has the ability basically to wipe out the human race through pandemics hello and and all the use of the, the use of technology that we couldn't even conceive of a few years ago Our guest today has written several books that will actually shake you awake and realize just how a precarious situation we are living in right now. Last time he was on, we discussed a great book, Swarm, Artificial Intelligence, Decodes, End Time Prophecies, and a book titled The Last Ark, Lost Secrets of Qumran. The next book in the series, tentatively titled The Image, will release in late 2024 as part of a series that's designed to walk into and through the tribulation over a series of six or seven books. The SNO Chronicles is what they're called. They weave together modern issues of AI, climate, geopolitics, political and religious corruption through a lens of end-time prophecy. In his books, Guy Morris blends real-life technological advances and real-life situations that we're facing with religious research coupled with current events, and then adds in artificial intelligence scenarios that basically has you on the edge of your seat all the way through the books. Amen? Guy Morris has multiple degrees and over 36 years of leadership experience at companies like IBM and Oracle and Microsoft. He's a proven thought leader in adapting advanced technologies and implementing complex IT applications. His success stories range from designing a macroeconomic model that outperformed the Federal Reserve and all major banks, to building worldwide high-performance teams, to innovating early artificial intelligence systems technology. He's also a Disney-published composer, a musician with multiple CDs, a researcher of history, researcher of prophecy, as well as an author of artificial intelligence, espionage, religious, political, and history thrillers to boot. Help me welcome back to the program. He's been a couple years ago now he is on, and that's where I got all this information from, and I just loved our interviews. I'm looking forward to today. Help me welcome to the program, Guy Morris. Guy, it is such a blessing to talk with you again today, and I thank you for taking the time to come back on the program. My pleasure, Robert. I had such a great time with you last time. I just thought that we I just wanted to follow up and, and just talk about some new things and just keep the conversation yeah. going. Thank you so Amen. much for having me. Amen. Well, let me... Let's start here because I always start with this question first. For the sake of those that may not have listened to our interviews a couple of years ago, tell us real briefly who is Guy Morris? Um, apparently, from your description, some sort of intellectual stew. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I, 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 I'm a fairly eclectic um, individual, I'm always pursuing some sort of intellectual or creative pursuit, uh, obsessively so at times. I started off as a homeless runaway at age 13. Um, God, through a series of miracles, allowed me to go to college where, I, as you mentioned, I earned a number of degrees and, and got some notoriety with building macroeconomic models and doing some other things. And it was a life-transforming life event. Um, that said, I had to also deal with the, all the traumas that I had that I didn't know until my 50s that I had uh, complex PTSD. And so I had to, I had, along with those successes, I had a lot of failures and struggles in my own personal life. Yeah. But um, I've always been an innovator of technology. I've always looked at technology to look at how can it be used for different purposes, both good and bad. Um, and I got obsessed with the AI uh, arena within the context of geopolitics years ago when I discovered that a program had escaped the NSA spy labs at Sandia. Obsessed with that term, they didn't say it was broken, stolen, or lost. It had escaped. And when I tried to figure out how a program could escape the NSA spy labs and what they designed it to do that needed that technology, they sent two FBI agents to my door. Um, and now they were very upset that I had to figured out something that was supposed to be top secret. I was absolute giddy um, because <laughs> it validated my, my analysis. And um, so that began um, my, the, the, the work. Matter of fact, the program that escaped became the prototype for the character Sylvia in the book. Mm. Um, and so, um, and, and, it, and I was correct. It turned out a number of years later, there was a story by CNN how uh, Russia had hacked the CIA cyber toolkit, and the toolkit was every one of the functional attributes I had assigned to the Sylvia wow. program. Amen. Amen. And so it, I started, it, it was a little bit of a wake-up call. I had been involved for years in, in implementing technology into a commercial enterprise and looking at all the great things we could do to open new business opportunities and improve operations and to street lower costs. But it was the first time I started really thinking in terms of, are the technologies that we're creating being used against us? And Amen. That be, that it wasn't sort of a big flash where I just changed my mind about everything, but it was a slow, it was almost like a hypothesis that I continue to watch for evidence of um, throughout the rest of my career. Amen. And so, and that started to form into some of the other themes in the book, such as prophecy. Amen. Yeah, actually, that actually was the first question I was going to ask you about the thing escaping from NSA. So you went right <laughs> down, we're, we're thinking exactly alike here, because that's important. That is important as the foundation upon which you're you're writing these books and stuff. And, uh, well, that was certainly that that created sort of the theme of some of the characters from the government side. Um, the prophecy side of the of the equation has been sort of slowly evolving since the seventies. I I was saved in the seventies um, uh, uh, as a as, as a homeless kid and and early on in in my Christian life we were encouraged to read the left behind series. It was all about mm -hmm. the end times. And it was the um, prophecy was a really big deal back then. And then it kind of faded away as people started getting wealthier and, and getting distracted. But I was always 
kind of interested in it. Um, and I, I was, a, you know, on and off. And, but I, and part of what turned me off at times were, I guess, in my analytical way of thinking, I would often hear what I would consider to be biases in people's teachings. Um, it was the the Pope was the Antichrist or the Ayatollah is the Antichrist. And, and but when you when I would look at the characteristics of the Antichrist, they didn't fit. And so I started realizing a number of things that not only did oftentimes our teachings include a lot of our cultural biases, religious biases, political biases, racial biases, um, nationalistic biases. It was I, I could I could perceive a lot of different layers, but I think some of the premises of prophecy, such as prophecy, we, prophecies being used to predict the future, and so we we developed this idea in our heads of what the what this prophecy is going to look like, and so when it's the same problem that the Pharisees had, that they had developed this idea of what the coming of Christ would look like, so that when he came fulfilling all of the prophecies, but just not in the way that they had envisioned, they missed it entirely. Completely, yeah. And so we're in danger of doing some of this, a similar thing, a similar yeah. thing. So Amen. I wanted to, over the years, I was always, and, I, and like many, I tried to go to Revelation and try to understand the allegory. And it was so thick and so complicated and historical you'd have to be a phd in order to understand it in some of the ways that we tried to interpret the allegory itself and i, I kept wondering i said is that did god really try to do that intentionally and make it that difficult to understand or or, or is there something else there that i'm missing hmm. and it occurred to me one day by chance I was actually reading a National Geographic article. The article had to do with the loss of fish stocks uh, throughout the globe. And I was involved at the time with environmental uh, research and EPA compliance for big oil companies. So I was always reading uh, materials of that nature. And it and the, the, the loss levels were all around 30% or, or hovering around, uh, plus or minus 30 to 35%. And, I, and it occurred to me, and something triggered that I had read the prophecy of the seven trumpets. Now, in the allegory of the seven trumpets, a flaming rock falls from the sky and lands in the ocean. Okay, well, we would think, okay, an asteroid's going to come. The outcome of the allegory was that a third of the fish of the sea would die, a third of the birds of the air would die, a third of the beasts of the land would die, and two-thirds of the rivers of the earth would be polluted uh, and undrinkable. And from my environmental research and from books like The Sixth Extinction and a number of others, I realized that all of those things have already occurred, and they've occurred in a single generation from World War II since. So from 1948, the forming of Israel, which was the, the trigger, was basically the... Um, the 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 linchpin that basically said the time clock of prophecy was now starting again. Um, and since that time... All of these things had occurred. They hadn't occurred because of the allegory. So the allegory was somewhat meaningless. They And they hadn't occurred. And the allegory somehow implied that God was going to send this rock. But instead, the reality was that all of this occurred in a single generation on a global level, not just a regional level. You can't just say, well, they destroyed the river in Rome. This is on a global level. 
and it's the first time in all of recorded known geologic and human history that it's occurred and with a probability of approaching 0 0.001. And so it starts to become something that we say, well, that's a very a unique, unusual thing to happen with a very, very low probability historically of it happening at a grand scale that we've never seen happen before. That has, so it's the outcome of prophecies that become our um, milestones. Yeah. How do you develop, we can how do you develop your theories on prophecy and what are the elements that you see that you include in the world that you include in your books? Well, I, I, I try to look for prophecies and then try to look for are there things existing in the world that fit those attributes, characteristics, or actions, outcomes. I try not to I try not to get too hung up in the allegory itself. Okay. Um, for um, and so we look at um, so for example, the prophecy talks about the end times having two major beasts and behind each of those beasts is a dragon. Right now, the beast is basically um, the 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 active mechanism. They describe the dragon as basically the the almost like the spiritual force behind the beast. And the main beast that we all know about has seven heads, and it has ten crowns. And it and and it was interesting that the the, the scriptures use the word crowns and ten horns. Now a ten a horn could be a weapon, it could be a source of power, it's something defensive, uh, or it's something um, um, aggressive, right? And so, but when so I, I said so when we look at the world today, I said, well, is there anything that looks like that? Is there any country? No, doesn't fit. Is there any culture? Nah, I can't make that fit. Are there any alliances? We have a G7 alliance that represents the broader beast of the EU and the Western uh, the democracies and, and, and trade and, and major, major economies. Mm -hmm. And within that, there are 10 monarchies, there are 10 crowns that still exist today, including England and Denmark and Nor Norway and um, Lithuania. And I, I can't remember them all, Liechtenstein and, and there's, but there's Monaco, Monaco, there's 10 crowns that still exist today. And when you look at it, we say, well, what's the power of that beast? And the beast supposedly has an uh, an undefeatable army. It supposedly has control over international banking systems, which is check check. Um, it supposedly uh, has the influence. What was I going to? There was another thing, and I'm just I'm, I'm I'm losing it for a second. But there's um uh oh it has oh and it, so it has and has an uh, yeah those were that was it really it it had an invincible army also had. Um, um, control over banking systems. And we see that today. And so we, we can say, well, there's a, there's a mechanism working today. Now, when they talk about the dragon, um, we can look at the research that's been done since the 1970s on the Bilderberg Group, an exclusive group of a few hundred people who meet in secret every year. They call presidents and prime ministers and CEOs from all over the world, uh, kings from all over the world to basically talk about their economic and social planning on what how the world's going to work. And so we can see these, this mechanism working. And then we can say, well, can I look back in history and find the same sort of parallel? And I can't. Um, if I look, so it's a it's a question of breaking down prophecies into attributes, 
and activities, outcomes, attributes and outcomes, and finding where they have correlations, and then finding out of that, that entity that you think is actually acting in the way that it's supposed to be acting and having the role that it's supposed to be having in terms of prophecy. And so it's a way of trying to strip away saying, well, I can't, and in doing so, I can't overlay my own politics because I'll miss that. I can't say that, well, my religion, you know, my, uh, I'm a Christian, so I can't really say, well, Christians are immune from doing any wrong because the scriptures clearly teach that's not true. Right, right. Um, So I, I have to take more of a scientific sort of approach. And once you have those activities, the other step that I took is I actually put them into a, a computer model that managed that could help me calculate things like correlations between events and a prophecy. So how much do those those things, the, all the attributes, and I had to input the attributes and the outcomes and, and as, as factors and then input data factors to basically say, is this confirmed? And so I had to calculate um, correlations and probabilities and, and to say, well, how probable is this outcome? So I can say some prophecies such as you know, um, children will become disobedient and selfish. Well, I could probably argue that that's been true to some extent throughout history. Yeah. I, I think that's just the nature of generational stuff. And we could argue, clearly argue, that it's well off the charts today than it's ever been. But that's hard to um, quantify. Yeah. And so I, I typically, I don't acknowledge that those things aren't true, but I just say that they're, I don't give them big values in, in the model because I can't quantify them. And I actually built that model in the night, late 1990s. And um, based on a word of, of knowledge the, that the Lord had given me at the time that, that piqued my interest about it again, the topic. And when I built that model, the outcome was um, 1.4 trillion to one that we had entered into the end times. And that model, and I thought, well, man, what if I made a mistake? What if I inputted, what if I did a data error? When I, I looked through the data, I didn't say anything obvious. I said, well, what if I did my math wrong? Or I said, well, even if I'm off by a factor of a thousand, that's still an enormously big number. And that began me really considering my, my philosophy. So one of the things I consider is that prophecy is not about foreseeing the future. Prophecy is about understanding the events as they occur. If we can look at the world through the lens of prophecy rather than the lens of other filters such as politics and religion and jobs and security and wealth and income and tribalism and America versus nationalism, all of those things become unnecessary filters that cloud our view. Yeah, and so and now, another one, yeah. oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, now we enter the area where artificial intelligence is continuing to dominate and grow faster than anything technology wise has ever done before. And how do you see artificial intelligence playing into the world that we live in, in the near future as it relates to prophecy? Well, we know that one of the beasts gives life, gives breath, gives existence to an image of the beast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. An image of the beast that's all powerful, um, basically reflects all of the good and evil that we do, um, can control our commerce, our communications, 
um, our relationships in some cases, our banking. And that image of the beast has given the power to speak and to speak blasphemy. Um, do we have anything like that today? And the question is, well, yeah, we kind of do. When we look at the internet as the backbone and artificial intelligence as the intelligence that's given this backbone powers that are greater than, than we could ever have imagined any time in history. Uh, for me to do a transaction in China from my desktop. Yeah. Um, for me to engage in blasphemy, pornography. Um, um, crimes are committed with the dark web exists. Most people don't think about the dark web, but there's criminal activity, malicious activity, uh, arms deals going on all the time, um, assassinations being ordered all the time on the dark web. Um, and so there's, we certainly have a, a, we certainly have something that when we look at the attributes and the outcomes of the image of the beast, we can fit those with a high correlation to artificial intelligence. Now, the image of the beast is also from which the mark of the beast is derived. And the mark of the beast basically is the ability to control financial transactions. So this year, the International Monetary Fund had launched a bank, the first ever bank control, international bank control digital currency called the UMU. Uh, some people are calling it the unicorn currency. Um, it they it, Alongside that IMF um, digital currency introduction, now the IMF a lot of, deals a lot with a lot of the third world, but the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England are also testing this concept. And the World Economic Forum in their Great Reset Plan called for the replacement of the U.S. dollar for all international trade with a digitally a bank-controlled digital currency. And they proposed that in order to handle this complexity, that they couple it with artificial intelligence. And so we're probably, if, if America starts to go in default, that's going to increase your, Europe's desire to have an, a currency, a trade currency. They have the euro, but they want an international trade currency. Um, that can replace the dollar if our financial stability becomes unstable and or Europe is already talking now about forming a European army and a European digital currency in case, um, I'll, I'm just going to say it, it's because it's factual, in case Trump is elected and pulls away from data. And so we're already seeing the foundations of that part as well. Wow. So if, again, I, I try to say, what are the attributes? What are the outcomes? Does anything exist in the world today that would do that? And up until the internet and digital currency, there was absolutely nothing in our world that would connect us the same way with the same power and the same intelligence. Any time in history, you could talk about regional kings saying, I want you to have an image with my, you know, a coin with my image on it. God, we got that all, all over the place. Yeah. But they died. The coin died, you know, and it was only basically for that small kingdom. It didn't apply to any place else. Um, and the, any any of those coins were just smelted down and turned into the new coins and the, if, you, if you moved. So we've never had this ability to control an entire global populace using these mechanisms that we have now. Now, while the 
uh, unicorn is being proposed for international trade for now. Um, cl there's clear indications from a lot of the statements coming out of the World Economic Forum and elsewhere that they see a economic crisis coming in the next several years. Not the result of Joe Biden, just economic demographics, wars, other, other things happening whereby they see debts in national debt increasing all over the world. And there's a possibility with this digital currency, they could implement what the Greece solution, uh, the Greeks and uh, most people, some people may know, but years ago, uh, about 10, 15 years ago, Greek came under, um, was under severe debt uh, issues yep. and was having trouble paying. And the international bankers came in and renegotiated with Greece and over a period of 12 years, they implemented measures such as increased taxes, reduced spending, more restrictive um, um, financial controls. And at one point in time, overnight, every single account in Greece, from individual to business to government, uh, the banks basically pulled money out overnight um, to help pay for that debt. Yep. So um, under this sort of um, model of a uh, digital coin with a AI model, a AI, even digital coins today, you can restrict the policy on, on a digital coin so they can't be spent on certain things or, or an individual can't spend. So this could be an intelligent model that could restrict that easily down to an individual level to say, well, you're behind on paying your taxes. So you can't go, you can't go out to dinner or you're, you know, you, we can now moderate your ability to control. Yeah. Is that important? Well, if you read the economic models coming out of um, uh, or economic forecasts coming out of the major banks, such as the International Monetary Fund and Goldman Sachs, Goldman Sachs predicts that as many as 300 million jobs will be displaced by AI by 2030. The International Monetary Fund came out a couple of weeks ago and said that they're estimated as many as 40 percent of all jobs globally will be impacted by AI. Wow. Now, what happens when that many people start losing their income? Yeah. You know, it could lead to foreclosures, bankruptcies, un unemployment, homelessness, social unrest, economic unrest. Um, and so you've got to have a recipe for controlling some of this. And so that's that's part of what they're working on. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And we have a I hate to say it, but we have a presidential candidate who's basically vowing to implement a dictatorship with revenge. And all of that combines together. You start to look at the probabilities. What are the probabilities that after Israel is formed of the 850 prophecies, over 800 prophecies have already been fulfilled. The statistical probabilities of that are so incredibly outside the box of anything we can experience for me not to take, um, pay attention to it. Hey folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all the time for this portion of the interview with Guy Morris. Uh, Guy Morris has been on our program before, and he is a Christian author that, that writes great fiction books about the end times based upon true events as far as you know the technology and all of that is concerned with AI and, and artificial intelligence. And the book he's writing on now, man, has not released yet. He's just giving us a teaser about this right now, but it's going to be awesome. And, and <laughs> tentatively titled is The Image. And you already know where that's going. Amen. 
Now, his books, The Swarm, The Last Ark, these books you need to get into your hands right now to get the groundwork laid for when the image gets released here in a few months. Amen? Drop down the show notes. Get in touch with Guy Morris. Get him on interviews. I mean, I can't recommend him enough. And his work is just awesome. But till next time, this is only part one of the interview, praise God. you got to come back for the conclusion of the very next episode. Till then, this Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Oh,